Happy Friday, everybody. Today is Friday, February 17th. Just Baseball Show, you got the three of us. Me, Jack, you, Peter, you, Aram. Uh, we're going to launch into the positional top tens, which I called apples to apples when I was texting both of you this morning. But this one, instead of A-P-P-L-E, we're going A-P-P-E-L because Peter took the liberty of putting together a top 100 players in baseball list. And he says that it's the perfect list. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a fine list. <laughs> if you had to choose an adjective, Aram, what do you, how would you describe this list? Unique. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about this unique, fine, perfect list today. And we're going to break it down. This list is now live at justbaseball.com. So go open it up at justbaseball.com. Follow along. It is Peter Apple's top 100 MLE players. For with 2023. videos, with, with, with cool little gifts of really good players doing good things in there too. So that's kind of fun to look yeah, at. Yeah, 100%. And like, this is awesome because we get to talk about a hundred of the top 150 players in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we get to talk about the best players in baseball, yeah, which course. is fun. We just get to talk about rankings here. And like, this is apples to oranges. And it's something that uh, Aram has has kind of taken on with the top 100 prospects, although it's a different look. Peter is answering the question that is at the at everybody's like front of their mind, right? Who's better, Corbin Burns or Freddie Freeman? And Peter answers <laughs> that for us. I do. Uh, this is a flawless list. And the reason I say flawless is because it's my list. It's my opinion. Now, we did rank our top 10 by position, and it's a lot based on that because I agree with a lot of the decisions that we came to. You know, as a staff, those are going to come out on JustBaseball.com. Those are going to come out on the podcast. Those are going to come out first on the TikTok. And then to round it all out, I will then drop my top 100 on social. But this is a first look, which, again, you can find on JustBaseball.com. The hardest thing to do in this list is compare relievers to the rest of the league it's hard to compare starting pitchers it's to outfielders like how do you correctly do that this is not a war leaderboard if you want to see a war leaderboard go check out Fangraphs. go check out baseball reference these are the top 100 players in my opinion and i cannot wait to debate but before we launch into this um you know i i want Aram, I want you to explain the difference between a top 100 prospect list and a yeah. top 100 player list. Yeah, so I, I like this is the perfect thing for Peter to do, and that's why. Like, so we we had like we'll put peel back the curtain here. Oh, Peter yeah. like loves. Peter's the director of content strategy. He just knows content. He puts out content, and we're always on board for whatever ideas, and we all come together, and usually 99 percent of the time agree. 
This was the one time where I was like, Peter, if I have to rank Edwin Diaz against Jeff McNeil, I'm going to have an aneurysm. I can't do it. <laughs> um, and Peter's like, that's fine. I'll do it then. And I was like, I can't, I can't combat that. But Peter did bring up the question of like, well, how do you do it with prospects then? And I, I thought about it and I was like, honestly, it is still really annoying. That's probably my least favorite thing I have to do is compare the the pitching prospect to the offensive prospect. Yeah. And ultimately what I really bank on is just their floor because I can always fall back on, you know, what is the likelihood of this guy becoming a big leaguer? And ultimately that's what I'm going to rank is what's the likelihood of him becoming a big leaguer and what's his ceiling as a big leaguer. Whereas what makes this even harder, I think, is that with the big league side of it is that, all these guys are big leaguers and all of them are proven good big leaguers because it's the top 100 ones. Right. And I was like, dude, I'm going to I'm going to run in circles. And literally, Peter was like, I'll do it myself. And we were like, that sounds great. We will then make a podcast where we just rip apart your list and have some fun with it. So Peter took the time to do it. Um, and I'm glad that he did because it's great content. It's great radio. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say the biggest difference is just that, like, I'm trying to to rank the guys that have the chance to be on this list that Peter just made. Uh, whereas like, you know, now with these guys, they're all already who they are. And it's like, kind of, we're talking about little changes in the margins that can put one guy above another. And the fluidity of that is pretty nuts. Peter, are you ready? Like, are you in a good emotional state? If we turn the next 50 he minutes into the this. roast of Peter Apple, he lives for this dude. I live for this. Okay. Back to back days. I just did the college baseball preview with with uh, our guy Peter Flaherty, and yeah. now we're talking my top 100 players. I am on cloud nine. You can't lower my happiness. I just got to break down college baseball, and I'm really loving college baseball this year, especially. And I got to do that. Now I get to get roasted. It's my favorite time of the year. <laughs> but right. before I do try my hardest to lower your happiness, um, <laughs> I, I do have to ask you about. Uh, I got to ask both you guys about the Corbin Burns thing. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, Adam true. We should, we should talk about that. Yeah. yeah MLB.com beat writer for the Brewers. Uh, he, he, I don't think it was a one on one. I think it was like a media scrum. But mm -hmm. the news on Wednesday was that Corbin Burns lost his arbitration case to the Milwaukee Brewers. And that never sits well with a player. And Burns said some really interesting things. He said in the hearing, the Brewers almost made a case to like pin them missing the playoffs on Corbin Burns in 2022. Burns had a sub three ERA. He led Major League Baseball in starts. He led the National League in strikeouts and he was an all star. And they pin not making the postseason on Corbin Burns and they don't give him the I don't know how far they were separated by. I think it was like a million, maybe like one point. I think it was less. It could, it could have been hundred fifty thousand. It was ten point seven five to ten point zero one, and the yeah. Brewers won at ten point zero one. Dude, I mean that is ridiculous. And Corbin Burns, like said very pointedly, he said this damaged the relationship. Like I'm absolutely hurt by this. Yeah. If they just screwed themselves out of a possible extension conversation with Corbin Burns, uh, I hope they're really happy about that $600,000 that they saved. Yeah, friend of the program, Foolish Baseball, broke it down in uh, what I thought was a really good way on a tweet. He basically said that, you know, this these hearings happen all the time, and it's not often that they damage relationships, but it's mm -hmm. also not often that a player comes out and is that visibly upset and a player comes out and cites things that 
we mm-hmm. believe, and I think most baseball fans believe, are completely untrue. If the Brewers truly think that Corbin Burns was the reason they didn't make the playoffs, this team will never succeed because they don't understand baseball. Yeah. Corbin Burns was one of the best pitchers in baseball last year, has been one of the best players in Major League Baseball for the past couple of years. Cy Young Award winner. If he's out on the open market, yeah, 750000 is a rounding error because he is... He's as good as anybody in baseball, and he's still young, and he had that one season with the worst ERA. Then he developed the cutter and never looked back. He's one of my favorite pitchers to watch. I've, I'm have i feeling for him. I even commented under that video. If if you'll go to the Yankees, I'll figure out a way to pony up that $750,000. i will take out some <laughs> loans. We'll get you over here. We'll treat you right. The fans might not, but I will treat you right because I understand the value of Corbin Burns. And the Brewers, they wanted to save a little bit of money, and I think it could ruin the relationship forever. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, I was just going to say, so you've got a guy coming off of a Cy Young, and the season after he wins the National League Cy Young, he gives you 35 more innings. He crosses the 200-inning threshold, which is something that not many starting pitchers in Major League Baseball do anymore. He punched out more guys than he did in his Cy Young season. Obviously, the ERA jumped about half a run. The FIP jumped a, a couple of runs because his FIP was like negative. I think it was, what, 163 <laughs> to 314. Uh, and the whip jumped very, very marginally. So, like, you know, the, the percentage numbers and, and the rate numbers jumped a teensy bit. But in terms of accumulation, he was on the hill more and he was pretty much just as effective for them after he won the Cy Young Award, and you're taking this dude to court over less than a million bucks? And and the craziest part is they didn't have to, and the last thing I'll kind of say on this is it, it didn't have to be 10.75, right? It, they usually, you'll see this player and this team settle, you know? So if they're 750 apart, maybe they meet in the middle, maybe they meet a little bit closer to Corbin. I don't know exactly, you know, what went back and forth there, but it wouldn't have been the entire number. I'm sure Kurt Corbin Burns had a little bit of wiggle room there of maybe a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is. So that's the other crazy part of it is it's probably about even less. And if you are keen on extending a guy and, and maybe this is kind of a little bit of a clue into how the Brewers plan to, you know, move forward with or without Corbin Burns, because if I'm getting ready to potentially talk about an extension with this guy, the last thing I want to do is put a bad taste in his mouth over 750,000. Cause he's going to say, fuck you. I'm not going to, you know, give you that extra year on the back end. I'm not giving you the hometown discount and I'm going to, I'm going to push hard and, and try to send myself to free agency. If you're going to nickel and dime me in arbitration, you know, a year before, yeah, I guess it's two years before he hits free agency, but th- that that's the thing that really gets me is like, maybe that just really tells you what their long-term plan is with him. And you remember what Xavier Scruggs said? And I don't know if that just came from a gut feeling or a source. He didn't really clarify on that when he was on the podcast, but it was literally like a, Oh, by the way, before you let me go, I think Corbin Burns gets dealt. And I think he said this offseason. obviously that didn't happen, but if this Brewers team struggles and I still think they're going to be pretty good. We talked about it. We like their offseason overall, but like, let's say they struggle or somebody else really gets out ahead in the division. It's going to be hard to make the playoffs in the wild card. I wouldn't be shocked if he sent out of town, especially now. Is is Corbin Burns making start starts for the Milwaukee Brewers in August of 2023? Yes or no? I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes, and but I'm not confident. It's not a I'm confident a, yes. I'm gonna say no, and wow. I don't hate that answer. My last thing that I want to say on him is I I don't want to speak for him because I don't know him. I have not talked to him, He's but I think I can boy. infer. <laughs> yeah, I think I can infer that he doesn't care about the $750,000. Yeah. 
he cares about what they said in that meeting. Yeah. That's what's going to ruin the relationship, not the rounding error and, of when he goes to free agency and he makes 50 billion times that. Mm-hmm. It's the language they used. I just can't believe they won. Yeah, and, and they that's, yeah, yeah that's, I don't know that's how they the won. That's part. a weird part. So the, the last thing, actually, sorry, I got one more on that. It's like and then I have five last things. Yeah, five last things. <laughs> They're always going to look for a reason to make their case, right? And, and I think the case that they could have made sans the narrative thing about the playoffs, which is bizarre. You can't even prove that with statistics. Yeah. Just say that he took a step back last year and then before his Cy Young year, he had the highest ERA in Major League Baseball. You could say, I don't know if he's going to duplicate this. You could put that argument together, and Corbin's not going to take that personally because that's how arbitration hearings work. I assume, and again, I don't want to speak for him either, it gets personal when you're when you're attributing team loss or lack of team success to him. You, you should be looking at these players in a vacuum, and if you, you kind of point out this number, that number, that number, it just kind of – you realize that that's just what comes with the territory of arbitration. Uh, it's always going to be a little bit weird and wonky, but like when you're attributing – a lack of team success to him. I think that's where it enters another level and another area that, that it just shouldn't. And, and again, we're, we're not in a lot of arbitration meetings, but clearly something was off about this one compared to others. You're not in a lot of arbitration. I'm not in any arbitration. Uh, any, any, I would say I'm not in any. Arm and I are in some. We just yeah, got you. We, we sneak into a few. Yeah, yeah we're in some. Uh, more yeah. than a few. We're in most. Well, Peter will be in Cal Quantrill's arbitration meeting. And, and that's nearly a transition. Um, it's, it's, this is not a last thing. This is building on Aram's last thing. I'm a huge fan of Rosillo. I think the Ryan Rosillo podcast on the rigor is awesome. Rosillo had somebody on to talk about the Lamar Jackson situation and him representing himself. Um, and I'm blanking with who he had on because he's had a bunch of people on to talk about the Lamar Jackson thing over the past couple of weeks. But they made a great point, And it's a lot of those players, they think they want to hear the things that these teams will say to their agents. They don't want to hear those things. Like, that's why you have an agent. Like, they can say the bad thing about the player to an agent. That's what an arbitration hearing is. You're going to arbitration to hear why your team thinks you are less valuable than you think you are. Yeah, I'd rather not go. I'd rather not go. (laughs) Yeah, That's what happened with Judge, and then he hit 62 home runs. So is Corbin Bird's going to put up a 1-0-8 ERA like DeGrom did in 90 innings? And then refuse an extension. (laughs) Yeah, I would love that. I'm rooting for him so hard. And that's why Corbin Bird's is number 89 on Peter Apple's top 100 player. (laughs) 2023. Uh, All right, you ready? Are you ready? ready? Let's go. So uh, we're going to go 100 to 1 here. And again, this article is live at JustBaseball.com. Peter Apple's top 100 MLB players for 2023. Peter, is Cal Quantrill a top 100 player in baseball? Yes, he comes in at number 100. Is Cal Quantrill going to be better than Joe Musgrove in 2023? I think he uh, he has a pretty good shot of having a lower ERA. I think he does. Is Cal going to be better than you, Darvish? I think he does. I think he has a lower ERA in 2023 than both of them. Logan Gilbert? Yep. Kyle Wright? Yep. Okay, so Musgrove, Darvish, Kyle Wright, and Logan Gilbert are not on the top 100, and Cal Quantrill is. So, we interviewed Joe Posnanski, one of my favorite interviews that we've ever done, and I wrote this in the summary on my top 100 players. 
And he made a really good point, something that still sticks with me. And it was kind of the reason I wanted to make this list. When he wrote the Baseball 100, he had Ichiro at number 100. And Ichiro, by the numbers in Major League Baseball, was not a top 100 player of all time. But of course, he had that history in Japan. And it's impossible to compare an all-time list to this list. But again, it is my list. And no, you just I compared Cal Quattro to Ichiro Suzuki. Can we get that out of the way? We can. And at the same time, Cal Quantrill in 2020 had a 2.25 ERA, 32 innings, just a little taste. Then he had a 2.89 ERA in 2021, but the peripherals looked bad. He doesn't strike out a lot of guys and he doesn't limit the walks, but then he limited the walks more and put up a 3.38 ERA, which we will get arm his tattoo soon. Cal Quantrill plays on a team that helps out his strengths. He is a guy who pitches to contact. That's why in terms of average exit velocity, in terms of our hit rates, he's in the upper third of Major League Baseball. He limits hard contact. And that helps because he has one of the best defenses behind him. So I personally think that while you Darvish, while Joe Musgrove, while Kyle Wright may have better stuff, Cal Quantrill should be in the low threes in the ERA again, throwing close to 200 innings. He was a stud again in the playoffs. He's just a stud pitcher, and he has to be on my top 100 list, and he comes in at number 100. It's not as much about Quantrill for me. It's just like how is you Darvish not a top 100 player in Major League Baseball? Um, 194 and two-thirds innings last year, a 3-1-0 ERA. He was 12, 13th excuse me, in pitcher F4. Um he saw his velo actually jump by a half a mile per hour. He just signed the third six-year contract. So the Padres somehow believe that he's not only going to be same form next year, probably five years beyond that. I don't think he's going to do it the whole contract, but at least a few years. Like what, what resulted in you Darvish not being a top 100 player when somebody like uh, Logan Webb is in the 80s? Yeah, totally understand that. 2021, you Darvish should have a 4-2-2 ERA. And he's also going to be 30. What about 2020? 2020 had a 2.01 ERA in 2020. In that that sprint of a season. And Cal Quantrill, yes, did have a 2.25 ERA. No, it's fine. They both had great ERAs in 2020. But since 2021, Cal Quantrill is a 3.14 ERA and Udarvish is behind that. Now, ERA, we're just talking ERA here. So there's a lot of other stats, a lot of other stats that I like to use when it comes to pitchers, and ERA is not at the top of this list. But in terms of a production standpoint, in terms of what I think Cal Quantrill keeps improving year over year, I was more willing to put him at number 100 instead of a 37-year-old Darvish, who I do expect to pitch well, but I think they're going to be close in innings. I think it's going to be interesting to see who finishes with a better ERA in 2023. Big game. Give me Cal. Okay, so... Joe Musgrove Musgrove is averaging 180 innings over each of the past two seasons. You combine 2021 and 22, he has a 306 ERA. He's punching out nine and a half per nine. He's walking less than two and a half per nine. Um, I mean, why is Joe Musgrove not a top 100 guy? Joe Musgrove also, since 2021, is lower than Cal Quantrill. Um, Joe Musgrove is one of those guys. Like, if we want to spend the entire time on proving these starting pitchers versus Cal Quantrill number 100. It's not even Quantrill. It's, it's top 100 guy. Like yeah. True. Yeah, do you want to compare him to other pitchers on the list too? We can do that. But Joe or just Musgrove, anyone. Anyone. Darvish, Ozzie Albies. <laughs> Anthony yes. Rendon. 
Yes. Let's go through it. Let's go through it. Like, how so, is Anthony Rendon, who's been on the field for five games in the last three years, like, how is that guy better than Lou Darvish and Joe Hold Musgrove? on. You said Cal better than Musgrove since the start of 2021? I would say so. Uh, Musgrove is a 306 ERA. Cal is a 316 ERA. Musgrove has thrown 35 more innings than Cal. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what about Rendon? Why is Rendon on this list? Like, I understand what Rendon can be. Peter and I did talk about this. Okay. Yeah. So, so. Rendon, we know if he stays healthy and he's on the field, which we expect him to be in 2023. He's a guy who's left off a lot of top 100s, and I feel like people forgot about him. Arm, you and I remember when we were arguing with Jack over the top third baseman earlier in this season, or not earlier in the season, like I think it was maybe past when we did the top 10 third baseman, like oh, he yeah, was yeah. one of the best third baseman, and he's just had these injuries if we're looking at 2023, because this is a list for 2023, are we blaming him for that? Like, is he just a guy who's going to be a middling kind of player? I think he, we could look back, and if he wasn't on the list, and he does what Anthony Rendon should do, or even 80% of it, we're going to look back and be like, how is Rendon a not, not a top 100 player? That's so fair. that's why he's at the tail end. Albies is a guy who doesn't rate well by WRC+. plus. But what I see with Ozzy Albies is I see a guy, I see an extra base hit machine. I see one of the better defenders at second base, and he was banged up last year with an injury. I think that Ozzy Albies now, with all these new rate stats, the WRC+, plus, the fact that he doesn't walk that much, he's a guy who could hit 30 home runs and hit 40 doubles. Like, I don't know if he's going to do that, but that's in his bag with fantastic defense at second base i think the the addition of new age analytics has dampened what you get with ozzy albies when you really look on the field i don't see anything that he does even really at an average level i mean the 2021 season i i do agree on like the you, you look at the 3.9 f4 in the 2020 season or 2021 season from from albies for example he drove in 106 runs, hit 30 bombs, and stole 20 bags. Like I, I don't, I know that somehow averaged out to a 107 WRC yeah. plus. Yeah, not which, sure because he doesn't it, walk. It, yeah, the walking kills him. And also, if that guy just scrapped the left-handed swing, right. I think I'd put him top 50. So yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. If he could just even be like a little bit better with the left-handed swing, I, Rendon, I hear you. It's just like when I see, and I won't, I promise I won't bring them up again, but when I see Musgrove and Darvish off and I'm looking at yeah. next year, like I'm feeling better about those guys than maybe Anthony Rendon, though I know I could eat crow on that. Like the, his stretch from, what was it, 2018 to 2020 was you know some of the best in, in baseball period in terms of F4, in terms of any number you want to find, doubles, um, everything, everything. So I, I get it from that standpoint, but I, I don't know if we can like trust Rendon at this point. I think this is the last year where like if he's not healthy, you're, you're leaving him off of every single list after this year for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And that was my – those – it's funny. You guys mentioned Musgrove, Darvish, and the one that I really felt bad leading off again was Yandy Diaz. Because Yandy Diaz, I believe, like he put up a 146 WRC+. plus. The only thing that's wrong with Yandy Diaz's game is he has a noodle over there at third base, like in terms of his arm, but he can still pick it over there. The power isn't there, but he walks a crazy amount, hits a bunch of doubles. Like he's a really good player. That was a tough one leaving off the list too. But Musgrove, Darvish, Yandy Diaz, those were the three where I thought to myself, mm, how do I make room? But I just didn't make room. Hey, um... We're still in the 90s. Is Harrison Bader better than Jazz Chisholm? Oh, God. I think so. 
I think I think Harrison Bader is could have a great season for the Yankees because I also think that he has a higher floor than Jazz just because Jazz is transitioning to a new position. Um, and he's really has 60 great games of Major League Baseball under his belt. From a talent perspective, I think Jazz is more talented than Harrison Bader. But if I had to bet on a who has the higher war, I'm going to bet on the guy with Bader. And I know Arm's going to bring up injury concerns with Harrison Bader. And I know that they're there, but I think they're more prevalent with Jazz, especially because Jazz is moving positions. We saw what Harrison Bader can do with the bat in the playoffs. And that matters to me. Like, it's hard to quantify that, but I think playoff performance, it's selective for some players. So it's not going to move you up and down crazy amounts. But if there's a two players who I think are pretty damn equal, and I did see one player go nuclear with the bat, and I know that he could win a gold glove in center field. I'm just going to rank that guy slightly higher even though I know I could eat crow, let's say he transitions well to the outfield and puts up 30 home runs and 20 stolen bases. Then I look back and I'm like, I got that one wrong, but I do think the safer bet is the guy who could win the gold glove and have a 2020 season. And that's what I think with Bader. That's fair. I guess in Yankee stadium, maybe you can see a little bit of a tick up in, in, in the home run out, but he was spectacular in the playoffs. I If jazz Chisholm was staying at second base, are you still putting Harrison Bader ahead of him? No, the answer is no. You don't have to think about it. it, it it's it's a tough one. No, um, the answer is no. I just, I don't know. I We haven't seen a full season from him, like, really put all this talent together. And that's why I'm not taking it away from him because I see the talent. It's crazy. If he was staying at second base, I think I would have him slightly higher than Bader. I'm worried about the transition. I don't know how good of a center fielder he's truly going to be. We we haven't seen a full season from him, so you're doubting it, but you've got Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll at 85 and 86 above Jazz Chisholm. And that's why, because I think I believe in those bats a little bit more. And I think that's why it's a tough way to make this ranking is because you can poke holes in a lot of different things, but it's my belief in Gunnar Henderson's bat and he's going to be playing third base and shortstop where we know he can play. And that's why Jazz is one of the toughest players to rank on this list because from a sheer talent perspective, his ceiling is as high as some players. He said it himself. He said he's the best player in baseball. Did you see that interview, Arb? He said no. he's the best player in baseball. Like when healthy and it's just like, he was like, yeah, I was running with injuries last year and, you know, I was running till the wheels fell off and I just don't know what to do with him. He's a very hard player to rank. Talent is crazy, but like, would we be surprised if he only plays a hundred games? It doesn't tap into that potential and doesn't adjust well to center field. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if he played a hundred games based on what he was on pace for, he probably would have had what, like a four F four. Yeah. At that point, which would match. Bader's career high in 138 games in 2018, which, you know, it should be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see how that goes down because uh, for transparency's sake, Peter and I have a, a friendly wager on that one of who. And that's also game. that's also counting in war at a position that he's used to. Let's well, see I, I, how I, much he accumulates in center field in a new position that he's never played before. You know, I, I think he's going to be OK. Like, I don't think he's going to be great out there. I think he can get by even if he's subpar out there. With what he was doing offensively, power stolen base wise, like 
I, I think I think he'll find a way to be to be valuable in the in the F four department. But that it's going to be fun to see how that he's all. Top one hundred player. I yeah. still think he's great. Like yeah. it's also like that's the thing too. It's like I still think all of these guys are great. It's just about their specific ranking, which is the fun of debating. I just think Bader is the safer play. And I also think that he could have a career year here with the Yankees because he is a free agent next year, too. Like, this is may, could be his best season in Major League Baseball to date. And even if he doesn't hit that well, I know he's going to be great at a premium position in center. So I'm, I'm jumping to the low 80s here. The stack is really interesting, 78 to 81. Jeremy Pena, Luis Robert, Cattell Marte, Alejandro Kirk. And Kirk is 82. Pena is 78 or Kirk is 81. Pena is 78. Um, do you think that Cattell Marte and Jeremy Pena are going to have better years than Alejandro Kirk? I think it's, that was another tough stack where I think you could kind of rank them in any way you want, but I chose them to rank them this way because I think maybe the safest player out of all those is the shortstop with the gold glove caliber glove. And Again, I hate to do this, but sometimes this is a slight separator is Jeremy Pena was the World Series MVP. I love how he showed up in the brightest moments, and that matters to me. Jeremy Pena has that dog in him, and a lot of stat people are not going to love that, but I that matters to me, and he, in the brightest moments, became a star. Now, he had a bad second half offensively, but still, over the entire season, he was at least an average-ish hitter i would say does he take a step up i think it's entirely possible i know arm loved him as a prospect coming up that's what kind of showed me at least where i was like oh i gotta watch out for this jeremy pena guy so i think if he is a slightly above average hitter which i think he can be i think he could even be better with the glove and establish himself as one of the better shortstops in baseball and when i'm deciding between all these guys like the catcher is very important alejandro kirk is one of the best catchers in baseball but i just believe that Pena's glove over all of these guys is the safest bet out of everyone. Cattell Marte, Luis Robert, I wanted to rank them right next to each other because the talent is out of this world. Cattell Marte could be a six-win player because he's a freak of nature. Luis Robert, same thing. Talking about defense and center field, a wizard. He could Similar be an eight-win player. Luis Robert, if he played player. 150 games, could be an eight-win player. He, I still think in the back of my mind, he could win an MVP in the American League. That's yeah, how talented 100%. he is. I but think I'm going to put $10 on him to win an MVP every year until he's out of the league. And because he might do it one year and you're going to make your money, I think. Be yeah. But the safest bet for 2023 in my eyes is the gold glove caliber shortstop. That's fair. Who at his worst is an average hitter. And that's my what, what I like too with, and I'm, I like where Pena is at because with him too, is even if he's not hitting for average, he's still going to run into 20 home runs. Like he's still going to crush mistakes and he's going to, he's going to, he's going to do enough. The, the thing that really you talk about postseason performances, like the league adjusted to Pena a little bit in the second half. And then you don't think that they've got that game plan ironed out perfectly for the postseason. Like, of course they were pitching him the same way that he was getting pitched in the second half, but he adjusted back on the biggest stage, like Peter, you know, kind of mentioned and, and had that success there. I, I feel safe with a Jeremy Pena there. Cause with the glove, with the power, he's going to, he's going to be a three win player at worst, I think. Um, and, and you know, you, you hope he's on the field the whole year where I'm getting nervous and I can see why. And I know Peter's always loved to Marte, but 
you know, he finally played a full-ish season last year. You know, before it was like, okay, well, like, we need to see him play a full year. They move him from center field to second base to the infield to kind of try to stay healthier, you know, stay on the field more frequently. He was on the field a lot last year and, like, wasn't that good. Like, are, are we not worried about last year's performance? Because I think Kirk's only going to get better. 3.8 F4, raked, walked as much as he struck out, uh, you know, sneaky power. Do you feel confident in Marte having a better year than Kirk? Yeah, I and I agree with you because Marte had 558 plate appearances last year and he had a 728 OPS. What the hell? But the max exit velocity is 96th percentile. He's still fast, like 41st percentile sprint speed. I almost don't believe that. And there is some positional versatility there, which I think is important. The fact that he can play second base, he can play center field. I still think there's a freak talent hidden in there. And I also think that he was dealing a little bit. I think he was still kind of banged up last year and he had a 909 OPS in 2021. Like he only played 90 games, but it's like the crazy potential could be there where if he puts it together, he blows Alejandro Kirk out of the water because I could also see Kirk. That was maybe his best offensive season ever. I don't know if he gets better than that. While Marte, I'm almost buying low. And it's so close. They're right there with each other. But just the extra Marte magic, the things that could put him over the top, gave him that extra boost where I don't see even more from Kirk. I see a lot of the same, maybe even a downtick, but I still think both of them are great. Um, but I slightly lean Cattell because, Arm, you know I love Cattell Marte. I had to drop him. Like, I had him when I originally <laughs> made this trip. I dropped him because I was like, I can't really prove that he should be in the top 70 or top 60. No but like I, there's a talent in there that I'm in love with that. I think if he puts it together, can be an 850 OPS guy while playing multiple positions and just being a freak out there. So you're buying the dip on Bobby Witt Jr. You've got him ahead of Matt Chapman, Nico Horner, Devin Williams. Um, I I can appreciate why you say that because there's a non-zero chance that Bobby Witt's a 30-30 guy this year. Like that's what he can do. Top prospect in baseball. I, I, We're a year removed a from that. I think it's almost a coin flip. He's a 30-30 guy. Damn. I so like you're you're taking him over Matt Chapman on this list going into 2023. I am. Um the reason Bobby Witt Jr didn't you know rank up there in war is the defense was dreadful and he was going back and forth between shortstop and third base and it was really at the shortstop position where he really really struggled but i was watching an interview with him on mlb network when they were dropping their top 100 and i just love this kid's mindset and i agree with arm i think 30 30 is just inevitable at this point i think we look back on this bobby wood jr season and be like remember that rookie year where he still was 30 20 that was his worst year in major league baseball i think we have a potential superstar in our hands with bobby wood jr i gotta say when i was ranking this list i was almost afraid of ranking him too low and he's already really high like i think the the sky's the limit for a guy like this he has crazy power he has maybe the best speed at his position even above a guy like trey turner who he ranked above in sprint speed i think 30 30 is inevitable i think the defense is going to improve i think he's going to be a top 50 guy by year's end that's why i think i almost ranked him too low but at the same time he showed it for one year do it again that's why I have him there. So, I, I, I'm in the I'm in the low to mid 60s right now. Okay, 62 to 65. Zach Gallen, Dansby Swanson, Edwin Diaz, 
Willie Adamas. Before Peter says anything. One of those guys is not like the other. One of those guys. Before Peter says a word. Before Peter says a word. This is why I was adamantly like, we're not doing a top 100 player (laughs) list. It doesn't make sense. I'm not doing this. Like, if I could pick one span, (laughs) it's that one right there. But I'm just like, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why other other media outlets do it. Like, this, this, like, it just. No, you know why they do it? They do it because this is. It's great content. I mean, look look at us right now. We're having a ball and we're just talking baseball, but fuck like that (laughs) band right there. It's like actually why I I refuse. But anyway, what's your question? Dansby Swanson, Edwin Diaz, Willie Adamas, Peter, your thoughts. (laughs) I mean, just saying my thoughts is like, I think that's where they should be ranked. Like those are my (laughs) thoughts. Peel back the curtain. Peel back the curtain. What's what was the reasoning there? That had to be hard. So the hardest part, like I said, on this list was there was a couple players who I thought were really hard to rank. But the hardest part on this list is ranking relievers because they don't rank up there in war. They don't rank in like they throw 50 innings. So it's really just wherever I want to put them. That's why it's the hardest thing. It's hard to convince you guys that Edwin Diaz is better than (laughs) Willie Adamas because Willie Adamas (laughs) can hit 30 home runs and play shortstop and Edwin Diaz is a reliever. But that's the part where it's tough for me to really break it down. And if any pundit tries to, I think they're lying because yeah. I don't think there's any real way to prove to you that Edwin Diaz is better than Willie Adamas. Other than I think he's incredibly impactful for the Mets. If we look at the Mets team and they are without Edwin Diaz, we have a lot of more questions than I think we do if he's on the team. And I think his impact for a team is a little bit greater than Willie Adamas's impact for the Brewers, even though you're going to look and see a higher war for Willie Adamas because he plays every day and he plays shortstop. But I got to say, like, if I'm a contender, would you rather have Edwin Diaz in your bullpen or would you rather have Willie Adamas at shortstop? I might say Edwin Diaz. And that's where I came to. That's fair. Um, Jack, do we want to go into the top 50 or, or do we tee up the Shane McClanahan? For I'm doing well here. I'd like to say I'm doing well here. I'm doing, you are, you are well. doing well. You are, you are doing well. Um, I don't, so I actually like, don't hate the Fromber McClanahan stack there. Um, no, I, I do think that Fromber Valdez is a more reliable guy than McClanahan, but like, obviously when we're talking floor ceiling, like Fromber's floor is one of the best well, number twos in base. I think Fromber's a one. And, yeah. I was saying Peter said that he put a lot of, you know, again, like this is his list. So it's how he weights it. He put a lot of weight on postseason performance, like backs it up there with, with what Framber's done in the No, post-season. but I want to clarify that. I didn't put a lot into it. I said if there is a decision between two players that I really like that it's split in hairs, I saw Framber look like maybe the best pitcher right. in the postseason. And I saw McClanahan make one start against the Guardians where he went seven innings, seven hits, two earned five Ks. Right. So, And one more thing about those two guys, because these two, I maybe spent the most amount of time on deliberating because I think that McClanahan, when he's on and his stuff is on, best lefty. say goodnight, yeah. Yeah. say goodnight. But there's something about that man in Houston. There yeah. is something about that man. Like that curveball first of all, has a higher whiff rate than any of McClanahan's pitches, or at least ones that he throws above 20% of the time because Framber throws at 29%. I think the one pitch, maybe it was McClanahan's slider. It's one of those pitches where it's 46, but he only throws it about 15% of the time. Maybe he might throw it more. I don't know. 
but it's like in a big game, Framber was the guy. And McClanahan, remember, post-All-Star break, wasn't the kind of guy that he was in the first half. Even before the injury, yeah. Framber threw 200 innings last year, while McClanahan's high in innings is 166. Correct. So it's like over a full season, McClanahan might have a 2-5 ERA in 170 innings, but Framber might have a 2-8 in 200 innings. And I I think Framber might win the Cy Young next year. Like I, I think he figured something out there. I think he's going to throw the curveball more this year because I think Framber Valdez's curveball is one of the best overall pitches in baseball. And I think he's going to throw it more than 29% because we saw with the sinker, opponents hit about 295 against it, which I don't even understand how, but they did. And maybe he lowers that usage, maybe throws a curveball more. We saw that in the playoffs where he routed off 15 swings and misses. Like they see something that's one of the best pitches. So I just think gun to my head, big game, give me Framber. So I have no problem with the way he stacked it because like those are the two guys that I like, make time out of my day or night to watch like McClanahan is one, but Fromber two, and then there's a big drop off and then cease is three, but like that's one, two in terms of like my favorite guys to watch Uh, where I have a problem before we get into the top 50 is 61 Fromber's teammate, Christian Javier, who just signed a $64 million extension. I feel like you're coming at me putting Javier behind Tyler glass. Now who's coming off a Tommy John surgery. Um, I don't feel good about Javier at 61. I think Christian Javier is a top, 50 player in baseball i do believe that and i i think that you are maybe you might be sticking to your guns about you got to see more from javier what's what's going on here arm can i i just want to know your opinion on that on those two pitchers first too before i kind of break into mine yeah so it's funny because like on the surface it, that one didn't really jump out to me and then you, you we've recently talked about glass now and honestly like i underestimated how unavailable Tyler Glass now has been, I know he was recovering from Tommy John surgery, but I didn't realize like this guy has made 67 starts since 2016. Yeah. Um, we know how good he can be, you know, when he's on the mound, but like, I don't know if we've, we've never really seen him stretched out beyond 111 and two thirds innings in yep. his entire career. Um, so I, I don't hate the range of where he is. And I think Glass now might be the hardest top five hardest guy to rank on this yep. list. Yep. So I wouldn't call like, I'm going to remove glass now for a second here and almost cast him aside. The only guy that, you know, I, I'm looking in, in that band ahead of him that I would say like, I'll put him ahead is, is Buxton. Who's also probably a top five hardest guy to rank here. Um, but yeah, I would just say like with what we saw from, from Javier through the season in the postseason, um, and, and building up that workload and, and, and now signing that extension, I I like him better than Glass now, but at the same time, like I can see why you would bet on the upside because Glass now, anytime he's on the field, is a Cy Young candidate. But yeah. I'm gonna go. I think just Javier's way safer, kind of like you were talking about with Jazz versus Bader. Like in in a way, I feel like this is kind of a similar similar comparison. Obviously, it's apples to oranges, but I would say like I like that the floor of Javier and his ceiling is still pretty damn high. Six foot eight, two hundred twenty five pounds, ninety eight with ride and the hammer when i watch tyler glass now i see one of the best most talented pitchers in major league baseball like way higher in terms of talent kind of like jazz in that way where the flash of the talent is just otherworldly but i think tyler glass now at least on a pitching side is more talented than jazz is at the plate and in the field i saw also christian javier dominant in the playoffs Glass now when he was on the mound in the playoff dominant like I there's flashes of 
glass now where it's an ERA in the ones. Like in a couple of seasons, very limited sample. There's ERAs in the ones there. Like Javier, I have fully gone from, I don't believe he's going to be a swingman to I freaking love the guy. Like I've admitted that wrong take, but it had nothing to do with this ranking. What I saw from Christian Javier, I believe in, but I just look at a guy like Glass now. And again, it's so close because again, we're talking about Glass now's inability to stay on the field when Javier's done it also once. Like also one season of what, 130 innings? I'm not saying that he won't do it again, but I think if healthy, Glass now will be almost clearly the better pitcher, I would say, over a full season. That's my opinion. I think clearly. But the reason they are so close is because Glassnow's inability to stay on the field, but at the same time, I have to look at a Javier thinking, all right, he did 130 innings because arms point 111 innings is kind of the most we've seen from Glassnow. That was one time where Javier did that. Let's see him get pushed out, right? That's all I'm saying. Let's see him get pushed out. Could look back on it and be like, yeah, I threw 190 innings, had a 280 RA, established himself as one of the best pitchers in baseball. Could easily do that. But if Glassnow stays healthy, could win a Cy Young. So what's crazy is that so Tyler Glass now in his career since he debuted in 2016 the year I graduated high school uh he has thrown 409 and two-thirds innings in his since 2016 yeah for reference Christian Javier already has 304 innings under his belt since 2020 that's crazy yeah that is crazy. That wasn't even to like to push back on a point. That just was like as we were having this conversation, fleshing this out. Like that's nuts. Again, I would say Glass now is in the boat of this is the last year I'm giving him until I fully label him never like rarely available. You know, like we're saying with Rendon, like we you can already kind of put that label on to a degree with Rendon. You can kind of put that label on Glass now, but I, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't stamp it yet. Um, if he's banged up this year, I'm stamping it. And and if you were ranking him above, you know, some of these guys in next year's list and he only threw 80 innings this year again, I'd call you crazy. But I'm giving you one more benefit of the doubt year on glass now because of the talent. Who do you Are, think who do you guys think is a more talented pitcher? I'm just curious. Because you guys could disagree with me. I'm just I'm curious. I, I agree own. with the, the with the talented um, you know, conversation there. Honestly, I, I don't know if there's anybody that's more talented in terms of size athleticism stuff uh like I, i'm with you on that i yeah. maybe degrom I'm, like that no like i mean DeGrom, like god given ability I, i've seen both of them plenty now and both of them crush my dreams every single time they pitch christian javier is the yankees daddy but when i watch tyler glass now what i see is possibly one of the most talented pitchers i've seen in the last half decade well like it, that's I, so it's it's a balance of what have you done for me on paper versus what do i see and the pitch stuff, like you look at okay, but look at what all this you kind of see, stuff. what you see is six eight two twenty five, right? It's not spin. Like you're not counting the 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 spins that happen. They're talented in different ways. Glasnow's God given ability far surpasses Christian Javier. Like it's nowhere close. I would laugh you out of the room if you said that Javier was as gifted as Tyler Glasnow. I mean, I'm looking at true. spin too. We got twenty five hundred RPMs on the fastball at ninety eight. I know. But what I'm saying is it's not it's not eye test that I'm asking you about right now, and it's not even talent that I'm asking you about right now. I think that Christian Javier is a better pitcher than Tyler Glass now in 2020. Yeah, there you go. That's what you think, and I think Tyler Glass now, pitch for pitch, give me him. 
Okay. Uh, Aram, what do you see in the top 50? Um, so there's one guy I want to get to, but I'm, I'm trying to make sure I can like hold off until then. Um, just, just like not even something that I don't even need like a reply from on Peter that I just wanted to like, just talk about in terms of just fun conversation points. Wanda Franco must've been miserable to rank. Um, that sucks. Another reason why I was like out on doing this, um, Wanda Franco, like could be 20 by the end, top 20 by the end of the year could be out of the list depending on his health. Um, but that's just one I, I know Peter, you would echo the same thing in terms of the ranking there. Um, Aaron Nola, he just seems like a fun one. I like this this range right here. I don't even know what my question is yet, but I know we'll we'll get to a question. This stack is really funny in one lens because it involves two Yankees and it's Peter. Uh, the second lens is because it's just a really crazy group. We'll go from 37 to I'll say 43. Um Carlos Rodon, Garrett Cole, Michael Harris, Julio Arias, Max Fried, Aaron Nola, Bobachet. Um Again, just laughing because of how the, the an incredible ranking, an incredible <laughs> ranking. Props to me. What a, what well, a list. <laughs> so for Garrett Cole at thirty eight is kind of nuts. Like I know he's Garrett Cole and and the, the good with the bad, but like Garrett Cole is still two hundred innings, lead the league in strikeouts. Like he he was phenomenal in the postseason this year too. Um, you know wh- why Garrett Cole below? You know. Some of Rodan. these other guys, yeah, like Rodon, Adley, Cease, I can get because of the stuff and, and, yeah. and you know what what he's already starting to show. But no, um, I mean, like a, as simple as it is, like opening day starter for the Yankees is going to be Garrett Cole. Why is Cole below Rodon? Yeah, he's one spot below Rodon. Um, objectively, below Rodon. Rod- <laughs> uh, no, I know. I would start Rodon opening day. I'm not, you know, I'm not the gym of the Yankees. I'm not the manager of the Yankees, but Garrett Cole is the 300 and plus million dollar pitcher and Rodon isn't. But I think on a pitch by pitch basis, I think Rodon is the more dominant pitcher and he showed it last year. He was objectively much better Uh, by the numbers, by war Rodon, you could argue was the best pitcher in baseball last year, or at least in the top three. That matters to me. I watch Rodon and I say to myself, there's few pitchers in baseball that I'd rather have on the mound in a big game than Carlos Rodon. But the same thing is with Cole. Like he's had worse numbers over the past two seasons, but Garrett Cole still gives you that length, which I still value. But at the same time, Garrett Cole at a three, five ERA. Now the underlying metrics would point to positive regression because of the amount of home runs that he gave up. But the fact of the matter is I watch Garrett Cole and he leaves a lot of fastballs middle. And when you connect to those fastballs, they go far. And that's always kind of been his issue is the home run ball that hurts in the playoffs. It's hurt him before. Now I really want to see Rodon in these big time moments in Yankee stadium to see how he responds, but I don't think it's an argument over the past two seasons. Who's been the better pitcher. And that is Carlos Rodon, but I put him right next to each other because I wanted to make a point of who I would start opening day and who I think big game I'd rather have. And that's Carlos Rodon. Fair. Vladdy, like first, how did you? Oh, wait, can we respond to that? Because Jack, you called me out for that one. Do you like Cole more than Rodon? Arm, do you like Cole more than Rodon? I think Cole has established principle a lot more than Rodon has. So you would take, uh, you I would, think like, Rod- you were ranking pitchers because we're going to come out with ours. Yeah. You didn't rank Cole above Rodon when we were talking about it. No, but I was outnumbered. Uh, I, I, again, I believe that Rodon has done it once truly. Um, 
I don't think he's done it more than once. I think that 2022 was the first time that Carlos Rodon put together a full season of dominance. Obviously, 2021 looked like dominance. And then all of a sudden, he just sputtered and he didn't even get to the finish line. 2022, he signed a two-year deal and he proved it. And now he's a big money guy. Garrett Cole, after signing a $300 plus million deal as a starting pitcher, all he does is walk backwards into 200 innings and near 300 strikeouts. Like, that's why I go with Cole over Rodon. But I think both of us would say, too, that since the sticky stuff, he has not been the same pitcher. He just so, simply has not. And like Rodon and Javier, for example, if you're not giving 2021 credit to Rodon for 2021, in how many innings did he throw in 2021? He threw uh, 132. That's what Javier did. Like if if that's not a level of success in 130 innings, then we're picking and choosing. We're picking and choosing. Is, is uh, it the are you saying I'm picking and choosing? Because I think you're picking and choosing at some points in this list as well. I think you're picking and choosing right now. Okay. I think it's I think the top 100 players is, is demands picking and choosing. Um but I will say it was the way that he finished is what what rubbed you the wrong way in 2021 Jack is that what yeah. you were getting at? Yeah. Fair. I mean well, I think the way that he finished rubbed a lot of teams the wrong way because nobody was really willing to give him a long-term deal. And yeah, he signed he a 2-year $44 million deal with a vesting option. With the vesting option, they can get him out of it, uh, yeah. which, which is interesting. And but so that was also had, about his 2020-2019 where he was banged up too. It was about everything. 130 innings and then had that little bit of a slow end to the year. And then it was like, well, he didn't finish strong and he doesn't have that track record. But then he did it in more last year. I'm also point. interested to see, like Rodon was doing that. Like this is a guy that likes to throw high fastballs. He was yeah. doing that in, in one of the better pitchers parks, like. What what would Garrett Cole's numbers look like in San Francisco? What are Rodon's numbers going to look like in New York? Uh, you know, I think that's an interesting wrinkle in it too. Um, ultimately, like Cole, it, this is another ceiling floor thing. If both are pitching at their peak, I, I think at this stage of Cole's career and and what we've seen from Rodon's peak last year, I think Rodon would be the more valuable pitcher. Like he'd be the nastier pitcher overall. But I do think there's something to be said about the fact that you can pretty much at worst pencil in Garrett Cole for what he did last year which is pretty damn good. And then also the postseason performance was pretty remarkable. I I, I don't have an issue with that ranking. Um, I honestly don't have a, have an issue either way. I am interested to see how Rodon throws in Yankee Stadium, though, and I think it's going to be interesting to see. But I don't have much of an issue with the 37 versus 38 there. Honestly, my, my big question is how you valued positions in this case because you got Pete Alonso and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., right, two of the best – hitters in baseball period and i think vladdy's gonna i think vladdy's gonna go off this year so I, I like that you didn't you know drop him too much for his quote unquote like that not vladdy performance last year even though he was still very very good how do you rank a vlad guerrero jr and a you know ahead of still a rodan and cole who were you know two of the better pitchers in baseball last year or even a arias or freed who were you know cy young candidates as well yeah, like how do I rank like a Pete Alonso and Vladdy versus a first pitcher baseman. like that? Yeah, yeah, that would that was also a really tough thing to gauge on this. Um, but what I looked at was just straight up impact of a player. And when I looked at Pete Alonso, like he was the one player. You know, I'm going through these, going through everyone's stats. Like I think Pete Alonso was like we all appreciate Pete Alonso for what he is and one of the best power hitters in baseball, but I don't think we truly like know what he's 
been doing lately, like as a straight Completely. up like run producer at his core. Like yeah. we saw what he can do in his rookie year where he broke Aaron Judge's record for home runs in a single season by a rookie. And then last year he had 40 bombs and 131 RBIs. Yeah, with he an may be seventy. Maybe the best run producer in baseball, and he doesn't, he doesn't strike out doesn't at strike all. Out. And he walks, and his defense got better. Like I almost think Pete Alonso at this point might be the most underrated player in baseball because I think we just mail it in. All right, you're forty and one hundred and twenty, like whatever. But like forty and one hundred and twenty, he has one hundred and forty six home runs in four seasons, and one of those is twenty twenty where he had sixteen and fifty seven games. He is like he hasn't really had. He's gone through the up and down that kind of Vladdy did, right? In the 2021, I guess that was his down year because it was like his second real full season if you exclude 2021, or excuse me, if you exclude 2020. And like his second year was better than Vladdy's second year. And then you look at what then what he came back from, 40 and 131. It's just... And the improvements on defense, well, Vladdy has made them too, and they're so close because I think Vladdy has more potential. But again, razor thin, I'm just like, I almost can absolutely count on 40 and 130. While Vladdy, I'm either going to get 50 and 140, or I could get 30 and 110. Because the ground balls were a problem last year. Like, there were specific pitches where he would just crush some, and then they made their adjustments, and then he struggled a little bit. He's still a freak in nature. I could look back at the end and say, well, of course, Vladdy was better. Look at the year he just put up. But in terms of just, I feel like what I can count on at this point, Pete Alonso, like, if we're talking about prospect pedigree, Vladdy had it, but Pete Alonso was a freak in nature at Florida and then came into the scene and was immediately hitting 50 home runs. Like, he is also a freak. I think he's slightly safer. That's what narrowly did the edge and the slight edge on defense too. It just had me put one above the other, but again, you can make the arguments, but again, this list is flawless. So I stand by Pete Alonso over Vladdy. No, I agree with Alonzo over Vladdy. Like, yeah, I agree with it too. No, I, yeah. I have no problem with that. I mean, it's just Alonzo. I'm with you. He's becoming one of the more underrated guys in baseball. No question here. Um, I love the double bird that you just gave to Red Sox fans <laughs> by having Devers 28 and Bogarts 29. Yeah, I mean, there's some art to these lists. <laughs> there's some art, some new But at art. the same time, I believe it. I believe it. I would rather have Rafael Devers than Xander Bogarts. It's razor yeah, thin. I, I'm with, I don't think it's a debate, and you just look at the money that they got, right? Like, I, I think that Devers clears Bogarts big time. Yeah. Arm, what do you think? Devers, Bogarts. I, I like Devers more um, in terms of just like the, the offensive output. You know, I know both made strides defensively, too. So it's like it's not like only Bogarts improved defensively. I thought it was a funny stack, though, for sure. Um, I, I I would way rather. And, and I think Devers is going to keep getting better offensively. Like, I, I think we're going to see an even better year from him next year. Whereas Bogarts, like, you know, he's going to be good for a long time. But I, I don't know if it's going to get much better than it's been the last few years. Is he going to be good for 11 years? 
Honestly, like I think he's gonna hit. I kind of forever. forever. I agree. I think he's gonna hit forever. They're gonna throw that man the DH role, and his swing is just so perfect. Like I, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of his, but I was I was listening to Marcus Stroman not on purpose. Uh, It was like one of those where like the TikTok clip comes on your feed, and I guess that's how a lot of people have to stick with our faces on there too. Um, But you know, it was him talking about like the toughest guy to pitch to, and he's just saying how Bogarts' swing is in the zone for so long, and he has such easy plate coverage that like there's nothing you can you execute your pitches perfectly and he spoils them and, or he drives them the other way or he turns around on something inside and you just feel like there's no way to get him that guy's gonna age like fine wine but devers peak i think like we might not have even seen it yet and he's a lead the league in doubles and hit nukes kind of guy that now isn't a gaping hole at third I, I i like devers above him but i actually found something that i'm ready to like i'm ready to really pick at here and okay. i think it's going to be a fun one because finally we ta- yes we <laughs> talked about uh, guys that are maybe starting to get taken for granted a little bit. Um, I think Austin Riley is getting taken for granted a little bit. And look, I'm not saying you you ranked him well. You ranked him high. You ranked him at 26. Yeah, I'm going to split high. the hairs. Uh, I'm going to split the hairs of who he's behind. Yes. Kyle Tucker, Corey Seager. And I love both of those guys, but we're in the top 30. Like we, we got to split hairs here. I'm, oh, like, yeah. I want to make let's, that. Clear. Let's, I, let's split the shit love, out of some hairs. Let's split them. <laughs> I love Corey Seager. And, you know, since we've started this podcast, Kyle Tucker has been one of my favorite guys to talk about. And we've all been in agreement agreement on how good he is. Didn't quite do what we were hoping last year though. And I think that's worth noting. Still was great, but didn't quite do what we were hoping last two years from Austin Riley. And a big reason why he just got freaking paid 10 years, 212 million, 33 home runs, a 136 WRC plus as a 24 year old in 2021. Then he follows that up with last year's performance in 2022 where he puts up a 142 WRC plus hits 38 homers, 4.7 F4 in 2021, 5.5 F4 in 2022. And he got better as the season went on. Uh, This guy's defense has continued to improve. Um, I want to see him walk a little bit more, but you know, we'll have to see how he develops in that department. Didn't walk slightly more this year, but if you look at the F4 department, if you look at what this guy's done as a 24, 25 year old, he's not even 26 yet. He's going to be 26 by the time the season starts. I'd almost argue that he's better than Kyle Tucker at this point. He already, what he did last year is better than anything we've seen from Kyle Tucker. And what he did last year was actually by, by F4 better than anything we've seen from Corey Seager. So I, I think that's kind of interesting, but kind want your thoughts on why Tucker and I would say more so Tucker and Seager are ahead of uh, Austin Riley. Well, what I will say is with Seager is that Riley, what, 4.7 F4 last year? 4.7 4.7 in 2021, 5.5 last year. Okay, so in 2017, Seager did have the 5.4, and then in 2016, 5.1. But he's years removed from that, right? He's been banged up with some injuries, and he signed a huge deal. And I guess here's what I will say is, and what I was thinking about when I was ranked, because they're all ranked so close, and I'm – higher on Corey Seager than I think anybody who makes list is. I think he's I, I also than... love the, the Seager Correa narrative here where you've got them stacked and Seager one spot ahead of Correa and like had to do it. That's the Peter that that's Peter's thing. And that's why it's a perfect list for Peter. Yes. So <laughs> with Seager 4.5 war in a perceived down year, correct? Yeah. Yep. The banning of the shift. We talked about that, how he and by the numbers is one of the players who should benefit from banning the shift the most. I think that Corey Seager, from a talent perspective, has one of the best bats in Major League Baseball. In a down year, 
he had 33 home runs at the shortstop position compared to Austin Riley with 38 home runs. What I see with Austin Riley is if we're comparing Seager and uh, Kyle Tucker, I think from a pure impact of the bat in terms of power, Austin Riley might have the most impactful bat in terms of hitting for power, combining that with average. But what I look at Kyle Tucker is that he could be 30 home runs, but also give you 25 stolen bases. Uh, what I also see in Kyle Tucker is the transition over to center, just the athletic ability of Kyle Tucker, that I think he can do more things on a baseball field than Austin Riley can. While you look at Austin Riley as just a punch in the mouth, incredible third baseman who is a fine defender. Even by last year's standards, he might even rate below average at the position. But in terms of a bat, it's hard to find better than Austin Riley. But in terms of a power production, Seager in a perceived down year had 33 home runs. If he could be 35 home runs, improve the defense, settle into Texas, I think he's a six, six and a half win player. When I think that might have been Riley's best year. So that's kind of where I'm at on those two. I think Seager could go crazy this year. I think he could win the MVP this year. So you think he's going to be better than he's ever been now? I think so. I think he could settle in and be better than he's ever been. After a year in which I know he hit the homers, but like, again, a lot of that was pull side, like benefiting from the park he plays, in which he can continue to do. But this guy got on base at a 317 clip. 317, by far the worst clip of his career. And, and it was a play, down year. Correct. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's why I'm saying, like, if he doesn't, hit those home runs. Like if he's not running, cause you can, you can regress in those ways too. Right. Like, yeah. If he doesn't hit 33 home runs, it's a really bad year in a lot of ways. Like we're talking about a seven, let's say he hits 26, 27 home runs, which by the way, if he was playing in Comerica park, he would have hit 15 home runs last year. Let's say that, you know, he, he hits 25 home runs. So eight less, which is more than still his career average year after year after year. He has a 740 OPS. And we're saying, what the fuck's wrong with Corey Seager? So like, I think he's a handful of home runs away from having a year where we're like, what happened? The big gain in, in F4 was the defensive improvements, which, you know, that's great. Uh, that's great and all. But, you know, Austin Riley's a guy that is continuously adding here, like 33, now 38, had a, the, one of the best second halves we've seen in a while, right up there with, with Bryce Harper and a lot of departments yeah, in terms crazy of- Crazy second half. Right, like how stunned are you if Austin Riley's at a 1,000 OPS guy next year? Like he's one of the best pure hitters in baseball. You know what I mean? I think I would be a little bit surprised if he gets even better. I think I would be a little bit surprised. While with Corey Seager, I would not be surprised. And See, that's, I think that's-, that's crazy. And also when I was like- when this I was feels like picking and choosing. Two, you know what this, this feels, feels like? like. No, this is my evaluation of who I think is better. This feels like picking and choosing. But how? Explain to me how it's picking and because choosing. he had a 772 OPS last season and took a step back in the on-base department. The only thing that improved was the home run output by going into a very hitter-friendly ballpark. Did not and, and did not really improve in any you know bat to ball approach, chase rates. Like 317 on base is bad, man. Like that's just I agree. Not good. And Especially for remember. a guy that hits 30. So how is he gonna go from that to MVP candidate? I can make a much more sound case of Austin Riley going from 33 home runs to 38 home runs to one of the best second halves. Of, of the entire league and at 26 years old now hitting a, a peak MVP candidate kind of season. I don't know if I can justify Corey Seager taking a huge step back in OPS, uh, taking a huge step back in his batting average, even if they ban the shift. Sure. Okay. Now he's a 260 hitter. He had 245 last year. It was all home run dependent and improved defense, which that's not winning you an MVP. I don't think like this guy just didn't look that good to me last year overall. Like it was a decent season. I don't know why 
we could expect him to to be better than he's ever been in his career. I think that's more of a stretch than the 25-year-old continuing his upward trajectory of success on a really good team after he just got signed to a $200 million deal pre-arb. So like, I, I just think he's, I think it's easier to see Austin Riley do this than Corey Seager do this off of a 772 OPS. Here's what I was looking at too. And and yeah, I, I agree with you. You make a lot of really good points too. And that's why it's 26 to 22. But what I was looking at it too is the shortstop who made improvements on defense too versus the third baseman who is slightly below average defensively. And what I saw from Austin Riley is I don't know if he's going to get better than that. I think he could still put up this similar season, but I see a lot more from Corey Seager. I just do. I think the banning of the shift is going to help him. I think the power is going to stay there. And there have been seasons where he didn't have a 317 OBP. There were seasons there where the OBP was 394, like it was in 2021, where the guy hit 306. And in 2020, like he put up back-to-back seasons of a 146 WRC plus than a 149 WRC plus. And I saw a down year offensively from him, even though the power was there in Texas. So if the power can stay there, if he can walk again, which I think he will because it was his real first season after a huge contract and he had a better second half too. And I think if he just is now settled in Texas with the defensive improvements at a more premium position at shortstop and we act like Corey Seager's 33 when he's 28 also, this could be the best season of his big league career now that he's settled in an easy ballpark to hit with those defensive adjustments. He's also got the body. I mean, both have a crazy body. They're all amazing. But I'm saying the slight edge to me was the shortstop who made improvements on defense where I see the bat has been as good as Riley in terms of a WRC plus department. And I think of a bet on war, I think Seager wins that this year. Um, And I'm willing to bet that with either of you. I just don't understand why you know why we would just see him magically gain like a, a two wins here or or a win and a half in terms of value when you know i just don't know where he's going to gain that back he already made the gain defensively um you know he already put up by far the most home runs of his career. Like if he walks more sure, but his walk rate last year, wasn't that far off from his career average. It was about maybe half of a percent off from his career average. Um, I, I just, I don't know how, when we look at Austin Riley, 4.7 F4, 5.5 F4, that, you know, you look at somebody like Corey Seager putting up his first four win season in a while, magically then jumping up two more wins from there. That's now, where in, also in defense of Peter, that- in oh, defensive, yeah. nope. okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, Peter's like, oh, defensive Peter. Yeah, go, wait, go, hold go, on. Go, go, defensive go Peter, I'm in. Yeah, let's go. Uh, in defensive Peter, Seager has been a really good player for a lot longer than Austin Riley has. That's been. That's fair. That's fair. And 242 Babip for Seager last year compared to his norm at like 330. At least that was what he was in 2021. Like the guy in 2020 at 307, then he at 306. He's getting on base at a 350 clip on average, 394 again in 2021. Like I was thinking if he could be a 130 to 140 WRC plus guy with those improved defense, I think that's a six war player. And I just don't know if I see six wins for Austin Riley. And I am a Corey Seager believer, as you guys know. Like 
The World Series MVP has been there. He's done it longer than Riley. I love Riley. I ranked him 26. He's fucking awesome. But I I just took the shortstop over him. I mean, we could even argue Correa in that same conversation with Riley, too. It's a tough one. They're all some of the best players in baseball. But I have a real belief that Seager is a six-win player if he gets back to that 135 WRC+, which would even be less than it was in 2021 with the Dodgers with this improved defense. I think he could be in the MVP discussion this year. I really do. I want to save a lot of the top 20 debate for the live stuff that you're going to be doing on the heels of this. You're going to be doing a YouTube live. You're going to be doing a TikTok live about this. And, you know, it's going to be a conversation with, I think, you're almost like crowdsourcing thoughts on the top 20. So again, go to justbaseball.com and see this. I've got two more things uh, before I, I send you into the weekend with this list. Trey Turner, 19, Jordan Alvarez, 20. I'm not saying that like Jordan's better than Trey Turner. Like that is where it jumps out. Like this is a really, really hard list to put together because Jordan is clearly a better hitter, like clearly. But Trey Turner, like obviously he's making up for it in, in base running and defense. Do you think enough? Like, do you think the gap between Jordan offensively and Trey Turner offensively is smaller than the gap between Turner in terms of defense and base running. Yeah, it's just you got Trey Turner who does more things on a baseball field than Jordan does, but from a pure hitting standpoint, it's not close. Jordan had the same zone contact as Jeff McNeil. He yeah, like is it's not it's for... not anywhere close. Jordan is if we were just going hitters like that's yeah. all what happened I mean, in the batter's box. Jordan is top three. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Crazy. I agree. But it's just the DH fringe left fielder versus the shortstop who can steal 30 bags. Now, will Trey Turner steal 30 bags? I don't think so. That's why I dropped him to 19. Um, and on most lists, I remember you guys saying like he could be a top five player in baseball. I just that's why I disagreed. I think he's 19 where I put him. Um, but I still think he is incredibly talented this year. I just think it's like Jordan has to hit at incredible, incredible, incredible levels again to be better than Trey Turner. And he could, but what's the safer bet in terms of war? It's probably the guy that does so many things at so many different spots and plays shortstop. So that's where I slightly lean Turner. But again, Jordan, like he's again, one of the other toughest guys because he's a top three hitter. He's a DH, but he's a DH. So it's like, but damn, I wanted to rank him higher. I really did, but I just couldn't stomach it for the way I ranked it, where I believe in the position and that mattering a little bit more. Trey Turner's done it for longer. He's like second in war. If you look at like from 2017, 2018, like he's that type of player. Like he is just incredible. But then I was like looking at Altuve. I'm like, Altuve's also been doing that. Altuve's been out here. He's been out here just He's been hitting. here for a minute. And like Altuve was fourth at WRC plus last year. Like if we're talking about how good of a Jordan, how good of a hitter Jordan is, Altuve was like almost as good. Like Altuve, again, he was one of the players kind of like Pete Alonso, where I looked at the stats and I've been looking through. I'm like, oh my dear Lord, Altuve's been amazing forever now. And he's like one of the postseason leaders at home runs or something like that. Gabe's hits, something like that. He is, he's an incredible ball player. Incredible. It's another one that, you know, I wouldn't say we take for granted because people just just don't like him. Um, so like we just kind of ignore his greatness. But yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think, even like him. 
But I, yeah, you yeah, have no, to respect like, the hell out of him. You like, have respect to respect the hell out of Jose Altuve because so, you can talk about the buzzers, but shut up, look at the stats, watch yeah, him play. He's incredible. He they never he found the buzzer. Let's get yeah, that out of the way. They never, found, they never he, found a buzzer. And even if they did, like he he just did it again this year. Like he did, he's he's done it. In it every is arguably best year offensively this year. He's incredible. Yeah. And he went back to stealing bags. Like stole eighteen. So like he he's he's done that. So my question though on is is in regards to Trey Turner though because this we kind of alluded to this in the previous episode. Um, I I really do think Trey Turner is a top at least a top 10 player in this game. Um, you look at like F4 since what the 2019 season, he's pretty much there with anybody. Uh, you you look at the speed, you look at the power that he's added. You look at the, the, the solid defense he plays at a really important position at shortstop and a guy that's still 29 years old. Like what was, what does, and, and also 6.8 F4, 6.3 F4, the last two seasons, what yeah. is, Trey Turner, like what was he maybe, and again, this is splitting hairs. So what was he quote unquote missing um, to be outside of, you know, the top 15 with some of these other guys? Yeah. He wasn't really missing anything. <laughs> like He wasn't missing anything. It was just like Lindor is higher than him. And I think Lindor is a more complete shortstop than that's him. fair. And when I was going through, it's like, well, Goldschmidt just won the MVP. So he's probably higher than him and deserved to win MVP. Yeah. Corbin Burns, I think, is arguably the best pitcher in baseball, so he had to be slightly ahead of him. Altuve, what he did offensively, like I thought he had to be slightly ahead of him. And it's funny, I was talking to Dodger fans too. Like some of my Dodger friends, like don't like him, and I I had to go back at them, and they were like, yeah, "You should rank Trey Turner like thirty five. And I'm like, "Stop!" No, that's yeah, because it was just like I guess what they were saying and what they were watching every day. Because like you know, we watch plenty of Dodgers games, but they watch one sixty two, and they were like, "He's." an overrated base runner is what they were saying. Like he is not the base runner that like we think that he is based on what they saw. And this was coming from like multiple of them. And I'm like, guys, are you sure? Like, look at him. And they're like, I know, but he's not like the best in baseball. Like people say he is, he's not the 40 stolen base guy that people say he is. So I really looked at it and I was like, yeah, 27 bags, 21 home runs. He plays an average defense at shortstop. He is one of the best players in major league baseball. But when I really went down to it, like Lindor was better last year in terms of a war. No, like, I, I think Lindor, so I think Lindor is the best. Shortstop so that's where I came to 19, but I agree with you. It's like, they're all in there, but 19 is perfect. 13.1 F4 in the last two seasons. Incredible. It's pretty nuts. But also, also like 2021 playoffs. He stunk. Yeah, fair. Sidebar, last thing I'll say on Trey Turner, like if this guy keeps it up for four or five more years, he's got he Possible. might have a Cooperstown case. He might um, which is which is pretty absurd. That has nothing to do with the with the rankings here. And like, also if you guys just... want to keep doing top twenty, I could be here all day. We'll do uh well, I'll keep doing um lives and people have so many questions anyway. So fire anything at me that you want to, Jack. Uh I've got one more. And Fine. again, go I so where where's your problem? Is your problem with me? Is it with Aram and I? <laughs> oh, I have zero problems. I am in love with what's happening right now. Okay, good. I love this. Um, no, I'm just the so, host, so I so I automatically looked at you. I get it. Go go check it out. He's got three third basemen in a row, eleven through thirteen. I want to walk eight through eleven. Uh, Sandy Tatis Degrom Machado. Oh. That's fucking impossible. It's impossible, <laughs> but it's perfect. No. So Sandy, I think is the best pitcher in baseball. I do. Yeah. Um, For what the length that he gives the stuff that he has, 
the confidence I have him in the projectable body. I mean, projectable, Sandy. We just want a unanimous Cy Young. But he's just such a horse. And I just think I was looking forward, and we were talking about our top 30 starting pitchers. If I have one guy to give me a full season of work, like I would challenge the listener because if the listener is saying, is shouting at the top of their lungs, you have Sandy over to Grom, you idiot. Ask yourself, 150 innings, you going over or under if I have a gun to your head? You're probably well, with, going with, under. With what just happened yesterday, under. Exactly. So like, and I if I put a gun in your head and said over under two hundred for Sandy, I'm taking the over. So taking the I over. Like, and like a two five ERA. Like even if he has a step back, he's not the unanimous Cy Young. Finish the second. What? Like he is going to be, and I think that is so impactful. Like I almost wish I ranked him higher, but in the top seven hitters, I was like, shit. They're no, all like, dude, amazing. You know, you know, you know. I I love Sandy. Like watching this guy blossom from a guy that got sent back down to the minors to come up and and be as dominant as he is. I think it's pretty hard to to rank Sandy any higher. I will tell you though, the Marlins faithful will hate. The fact that you put Ronald Acuna ahead of Sandy. Um, oh, yeah. Hate. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm going to get backlash. Even though it's Peter Apple's list, I guarantee some of my 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 Don't come after Arm, people. Marlins yeah. fans, my DMs are open. At Peter Apple 23, send oh, me your hateful numbers. They hate Ronald Acuna, man. Like, they so hate him. There's two players who I think might be the most talented players outside of Shohei because he's a freak and he's obviously number one. Mookie yeah. and Ronald Acuna. Well, Mookie, in terms of like an all-around player, that's like Lindor. I put them kind of in the same boat where just no, like they're just perfect people and perfect players. But in Tatis a talent perspective, it's Tatis and Acuna. Yeah. yeah. And these two guys, when they are on the field and healthy, it's historic. And I don't say that lightly. Historic. Fernando Tatis Jr., what he was doing until he went down, historic. Ron Acuna Jr. in a full season could be a 45 home run, 40 steal guy while yeah. hitting 280 while having the best arm in right field and winning a gold glove. Yeah. That's what we could see. see. He's coming off a torn ACL where the ground balls were yeah, so no, common. I, I think he gets back in that back hip and starts lifting balls again. The max exit if low is still there. Everything is still there. He's going to go nuclear, might win the MVP. The only thing I'd say, so if this was a prospect list, Acuna's thirty grade makeup would would dock him a couple a couple marks there. Ouch! Um, but spoken like a Marlins fan, Woo-hoo. yeah, or or I a thought- Venezuelan league fan, or spoken like Alex Gonzalez, or essentially any person that's interacted with him. But <laughs> you, you know what I thought you like guys Freddie were going to be the most. You know, man, maybe you guys aren't. I thought you guys were gonna- <laughs> Freddie Freeman. I, hold on, oh, for- I thought you guys were going to be the most upset that Lindor is that high. No, no I'm I'm totally in. Love it. I'm, Love it. I'm totally in. I was that. ready to just go at anyone who didn't think that Lindor Mm-mm. is the best shortstop in baseball. Tatis is technically ranked higher. I don't know what he is. Don't care. He's gonna hit like a rod. So yeah, he's he's literally a rod, and he's gonna in, in every way. Well, we'll like it, literally, yeah. we'll see what happens without the without the bacterial infection cream to fight hair loss. Not worried about it. Not worried yeah, about it one bit. He's gonna hit forty five. Oh, yeah, like maybe he'll go twenty games. Maybe they'll go 460 feet instead of 475 when he really gets a hold of one. Like, oh, okay. Um, but for honestly, for, for Tatis, is, is, can he stay healthy? And I think that's why he started to, you know, allegedly do whatever he allegedly did for his ringworm. Um, you know, I, I think that was because of the frustration of continuously getting hurt um, and continuously getting ringworm. So, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see if he can stay on the field. That I, But his upside is so high. His, his upside is you know, best player in baseball, essentially, at this point, besides Shohei Otani, um, even, you know, right up there with Mike Trout in terms of offensive production. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I got no qualms there. And that's it for good. me. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm I'm going to 
circle back on jazz in a few months and um that'll be fun um and i'm gonna circle back on on cory seeker who i freaking like now which sucks I, I gotta pretend i don't like cory i love he's a phenomenal baseball yeah. player but those are my two and i'm glad we had the conversation it was really fun um, i'm gonna circle back on darvish did a great job peter did a great job he was ready and on his toes and i thought he did a really good job 100 i agree. You guys think otani should be number one he's pretty good no no otani <laughs> should be like seven or eight you botched that shit. Yes. <laughs> that so was bad. the easiest rank I've ever had on a list. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a backlash. Great. Trout versus Judge. Ooh. No, I, it's Trout. Yeah. How about the Not guy that's Trout? Yeah. I it's mean, Mike Trout. Yeah. Mike Trout. That's my answer. It's Mike Trout. That's yeah, yeah. Mike Trout. All right, Peter, take us out. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this. Of course, it's available on justbaseball.com for the full list. Uh, so many podcasts coming out, and I put them all in the link tree. So if you're on social media, you can just click the link tree and find who's better baseball. Just came off a debate with our guy, Ryan, who's the managing editor at justbaseball.com. We debated the NL West versus the NL East. That's a great podcast. So excited for that one. It's just getting started. Make sure to go listen to it. It's like 30 to 35-minute episodes on just talking about Who's better? Kind of similar to what we did here. Just Fantasy Baseball Show is pumping out content like nobody's business. And the rankings, you can find those on JustBaseball.com. Not gambling advice. That's obviously live. We're going to be doing so many picks there. I highly recommend downloading prize picks using that deposit match to your advantage by using the code JustBaseball when you download because we will be doing so many season-long props on prize picks as well as props daily on that app too and you can get some free money so why not use that code it's in the episode description um the call-up podcast jack and arm continue to kill it i was just listening to 2018 redraft i'm freaking smiling from ear to ear because it was so freaking entertaining just <laughs> got off also listening to the d gordon interview on the show and go that podcast. Was so funny so talk about funny. entertaining that show was hilarious awesome interview with jack and of course our guy taylor davis so much stuff happening at JustBaseball.com. And the best way to support us is to get some merch in the episode description. We got hats. We got tees. I'm out here rocking the long sleeve, freaking comfortable uh, sweatshirts, the whole nine. But if you don't want to spend a dime, we understand. If you could rate us five stars on Apple or Spotify or leave us a like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube, that's greatly appreciated. We love all the people that support. I think that's it. That's it. <laughs> Let's get a rapid fire checklist. And with that, thank you, everybody. <laughs>